Welcome to GCAF Manila Podcast. Listen to God's Word on the go and on demand. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm Hurry, and I'll be preaching to you God's Word for today. Uh, iba talaga yung ano. <laughs> I don't know. I think siguro pag magpipreach ako, may emotions all over the place or kasi na, nasa congregation ako, hindi ako kumakanta dito. But you know, I, I praise God that we together... I can hear everyone, the people behind me, uh, singing, proclaiming that they really believe in God our Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, it, ha, it brings joy because it's very much related to what I'll be sharing to you today. <laughs> Forgive me. Okay. Whew, Lord. All right. So, I already introduced myself. I'll see Hurry. I'll be sharing God's word for today. And I praise and thank God for the praise and worship team for a wonderful job. Um, could we give our uh, praise God? Right. So, as we all know, we are in the series today um, entitled, is it hashtag unashamed? Hashtag unashamed. Or unashamed lang. And the past two Sundays, it took Pastor Jeter. Pastor Marvin to preach yung introduction palang ng book of Romans. It took two Sundays to preach the introduction and um, we learned, I learned a lot of new things. I learned about the situation of Paul. Uh, the, hindi pala si Paul yung nag-start ng Roman church. Ayan, tumatak talaga sa akin yun. And you know, as I was preparing for um, the message for today, uh, siguro sinadya talaga ni Pastor Marvin na during election week, ako magpipreach. On the week of election, ako magpreach. And as I was preparing this week, um, and the results of the election just came out, and the news of people going out of their uh, lumalabas to the streets, um, you know, well, uh, gusto nila ipakita, they believe that yung the results were not right. They believe that the one who is, has been elected is not fitted for the job. And they have, they have these um, mga paniniwala nila. And when I look at them, and as I read my text, uh, which was read earlier then, uh, in Romans 1.16, for I am unashamed of the gospel. I then have to ask myself, what causes someone to be unashamed? When I look at those people who are going to the streets, you know, really proclaiming na Mali yung vote, or I see an attitude of not being ashamed in them. It takes courage to go out there on the streets, kasi hindi ko kaya yun. You know, makita ko ng kapitbahay ko sa, sa Kagayan de Oro, si Hurry and sa News, ha? Well, hindi ko kaya yan. <laughs> May hiya talaga ako. There is shame. I can't do that. But these people, they took them, it takes a lot of courage. Yes, I believe. And it takes, and when I look at them, I see them as being unashamed. Then I have to ask, what, what, what caused them to be unashamed? Dahil ba may alam sila na hindi ko alam? Do they know something I do not know? May paniniwala ba sila na I do not believe in? Do they believe in something that... Tinatansayit ko lang. But is there... Do they um, have total understanding of what they believe in? And to the point na, you know, they can go to the streets, tell everyone else that, it's wrong, what, and what they believe is right. 
In our text today, as I mentioned in Romans 6, uh, Romans 1.16, uh, I entitled my preaching for today, Unashamed of the Gospel. <laughs> Tinawanan nila ako kagabi kasi parang hindi daw pinag-isipan yung title ko. Sabi ko, I want na, I want na pag binasa nila yung title ko, alam na nila ako anong pag-uusapan natin. So, right on the start, that's my title, Unashamed of the Gospel. And the theme is unashamed. In Romans 6, 16, we can see that uh, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. So when Paul is unashamed, well, we compare Paul to those who rally on the streets in terms of unashamedness. Huh? When we look at them, people with courage on the streets, they rally, they, there's courage. I'm not saying that they're right, but I can say with all my heart that they are courageous. I can say with all my heart that they are unashamed. And when I look at Paul saying that he is unashamed, I also have to ask myself, what, what caused Paul to be so unashamed of the gospel? What, does he know something that I do not know? Am I unashamed of the gospel? If I am ashamed of the gospel, does Paul know something I do not know? May alam ba si? Does Paul believe in something that I do not believe in? Or does Paul have total understanding of the gospel that he is, he can consider himself unashamed? The past two Sundays, we learned Paul referred to himself in the preaching of Pastor Jeter na, as a servant, a slave of Christ Jesus. And last Sunday, Paul reiterated again, referring to himself as a debtor of the gospel. So, do I look at myself as a slave for Christ Jesus? Do I consider myself as a debtor of the gospel? Is that the prerequisites? Are those things I need to believe in para lang I can really say that I am ashamed of the gospel? Is it or is it because Paul had a total understanding of the gospel that he was able to consider himself really unashamed of the gospel? We ended the text last Sunday on verse 15. Um, Paul saying, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And then it hit me, na, well, siguro na preach to ni Pastor Marvin. Uh, all as well, but the Romans are already believers. They are already believers. In fact, in verse 8, Paul calls them, uh, Paul refers to their faith as a faith being proclaimed throughout the world. The faith of the Romans are being known throughout the world. And Paul even considers them saints. Considers them saints. And in verse 15, I'm, I'm so confused why Paul was still is so eager to preach to them the gospel when in fact, yung faith nila is, no, I can say it's a huge faith. A faith that is renowned throughout the gospel, throughout the world. And siguro if that were me, if it is a faith, if I have a group of people, I'm preaching to a people whose faith are renowned throughout the gospel, I would teach them how to manage a lot of people kasi alam ko, marami na pupunta sa church nila. I'll try to teach them how to manage people. 
And never in my mind would I consider to preach the gospel to them. Kasi feeling ko, mas, mara- mas marami pa ata silang alam sa gospel sa akin eh. They're saints. If that were me, why would I preach the gospel? Or is it because I knew so little of the gospel that I did not even consider to preach the gospel to a group of believers whose faith is renowned throughout the world. So I have to ask, why is Paul unashamed of the gospel? And even, why, does, why is he eager to preach the gospel to believers who already believe the gospel? Why is he so eager to preach the gospel to believers who already believe the gospel? But before I continue, uh, I'll take this time to pray. Father, come before you today, Lord. In all humility and asking for your help. God, I ask for the Holy Spirit to annoy me as I preach your word. Allow that everything that you want me to say be said. Allow me to preach the gospel with all authority and allow the hearts of your people, allow the hearts of the church to receive the gospel, to be truly gospel-saturated believers. Trust in you, Father. We believe in you. In this Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for in it, for it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jews first, and also to the Greek. Uh, Paul was talking about how he really loved the gospel, and then suddenly, he says he really wants to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And then he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for the gospel has the power of, is the power of God for salvation. Out of nowhere, Paul points out salvation. And we have to ask, what is this salvation from? What are we, what is the gospel saving us from? What is this salvation? And then we'll go to my first point, which is, why is Paul unashamed of the gospel? It's because there is a big problem. Because there is a big problem. In verse 18, the next verse, we will see. Um, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. And this is our big problem. This is the ultimate problem. Because a God who is righteous sees anything ungodly, anything unrighteous, any sin deserving of His wrath, deserving of the wrath of God. We seem to forget that God is, we seem to look at God as too little sometimes, that we don't regard Him as extremely righteous, extremely holy, that we do not regard Him as someone who should be revered. That even when we 
share the gospel. No, as, since nung pagkabata ko pa lang, I've been sharing the gospel, I've been taught to share the gospel for SL. And then, the first point, uh, second point pala, the second point sa 4SL, si mga crew dyan, ano yung second point? Tulong? <laughs> it's, it's the sin of man. Man is sinful. And that's the second point there, that man is sinful. And then the verses na binigay sa atin is, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23, MJ. <laughs> and then the next verse was, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 23, Romans 6, 23. MJ. <laughs> but... See, when I hear the, the, the verse, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. From childhood, I've heard that verse, memorized it, to the point na, siguro, when I hear it, it doesn't have the exact response in me. It doesn't give me, it doesn't show the right response in myself. When I hear the verse, for the wages of sin is death. Because when we look at verse 18, Paul is referring to the wrath of God. It is a wrath. It is not just something little. It's the wrath of the Creator. The wrath of a righteous God coming for any sin, coming for any unrighteousness, any ungodliness. So when we look at Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And I, I feel as if Okay, na-memorize ko yan. Uh, it's just a memory verse lang para sa akin. When in fact, it should have a response of fear in me. I should be scared when I say, for the wages of sin against a righteous God, for the wages of sin, uh, for the wages of unrighteousness against a holy God is His wrath upon you. Then my response would be, yeah, I, I should be scared. But we can't share that to people on the streets. Or should we share that? Should that be our approach to the people on the streets then? Showing them that all unrighteousness, all ungodliness deserves the wrath of the Almighty God. Romans 2 verse 5, he says, because, But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So when it's pertaining to the wrath of God, it is a righteous judgment. Unlike any wrath, unlike any anger, hindi katulad pag nagalit tayo, na parang ano, gulo, ang gulo pag may nag-aaway dyan, di ba? Pag may nag-aaway, magulo. But God's anger, God's wrath is righteous judgment. It is righteous judgment. And when God is angry at sin, when God is is wrathful when looks at sin and is wants to put wrath upon it he is righteous so it is unlike our anger the anger of man is unlike the wrath of people so we have now an idea of the big problem the big problem is this we are all unrighteous we are all sinners and we deserve the wrath of God, not just, no. I, I believe the death, death is the wrath of God, yes. Eternal damnation. But it, it deserves an initial response na, of fear. Dapat matakot ako. 
kung totoo yung sinasabi ni Hurry, I am dead. Parang kanina lang, bago ako pumunta dito, nagasala ako. It deserves the wrath of God. And this is the big problem. This is the ultimate problem. That God wants to put His wrath upon any unrighteousness, any ungodliness, and any sin. And if we continue reading verse 18 to 32, we will find another kind of wrath of God. I'll read it for you. And I want you to read with me with all sincerity, trying to understand the text. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power, And divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and foolish heart, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the man likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So what do we see in this text? Many times, God tells you to... In, in this text, we see that God was telling them no, that is, they're continuing with their passions, with their lusts. Men going to what they believe in is right. Ah, gusto ko to. I want to do this. I know God. And, and God has been saying, I've been clearly showing myself to you in creation. When you look at creation, you can see that there is a God. When you look at one another, you see the greatness of God in, this, in His creation. And He has not been hiding this. Hindi to tinatago ni God. Everybody knows 
But they decide to not believe. They, they decided to not believe that there is a God. And what did God do? God gave them up to their passions. And this is another kind of wrath of God, where God would leave you on your own. God would leave you on your own. So when I read this, and when you read this with me, and then you respond in a way of fear. Now, isa ako dyan. I'm one of those who are foolish. I'm one of those who are disobedient to my parents. I'm one of those who have sinned against a righteous God. And you're, you're scared. How, how can I be saved from the wrath of God? Praise God. If you think this way, if you felt this as you heard me preach, praise God that God has not left you on your own yet. He has not left you on your own devices. Because when I read this, names of people who I love come to mind. Names of people I know who I really cherish come to mind. Whom? Who know God, have heard of the gospel, believe that there is a God, but still chose to do what they want blatantly exchanged the glory of a righteous God for lies. Exchanged the truth of a God, of the righteous God, for the lusts of their hearts. They decided to really exchange this truth. Then God, in His wrath, left them on their own. And as we said in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 5, they are storing within themselves because of the hardness of their hearts. They are storing wrath upon wrath on the day of wrath with the righteous judgment of God. So what would then be our initial response to this big problem? The problem is that the righteous God, so holy, anything that is not righteous deserves His wrath. Anything that is not in the standard might be sin, might is unrighteousness. Anything that is not in the standard of the righteousness of God is unrighteousness. And I have sinned. I have greatly sinned against God. And I have been sinning. And when we read this, people who are, we who have been sin, sinning, what should our initial response be to this big problem? This is not just wrong government, a uh, wrong person who's been elected or somebody you don't like has been elected. That's not even close to the big problem. The big problem is the creator sees anything that is wrong and wants to put his wrath upon it. He wants to show his wrath upon anything that is unrighteous. So what should be our initial response? The right response would be, how can I get away from this Wrath. How can I be saved from this wrath? How? God, how can I be saved from this wrath? The ultimate problem, though very few of us even consider, very few believers look at us as an ultimate problem, is that we are sinners in the hands of an infinite, omnipotent, and angry God. And that is the ultimate problem. That's the big problem. So when we struggle with sin, praise God that you're fighting against sin. But that in itself deserves the wrath of God. 
So what do we need saving from? As I told you the big problem, what do we need saving from? The big problem is the wrath of God. And we need saving from the wrath of God. We need saving from the wrath of God. Yes, we need saving from sin. Yes, we need saving from guilt. Yes, we need saving from the wrong people. Yes, we need saving from bad habits, wrong mindsets. Yes, we need saving from those. But in the text, in Romans, Paul is really pointing out to the believers in Rome that we need salvation from the wrath of God. We really need salvation from the wrath of God. And so when we ask, why is Paul unashamed of the gospel? When doom is coming, when we know that the wrath of God is coming for people who are unrighteous, for us who are unrighteous, is there st- should there still be room for shame? Kapag may nakita kang tao nagdadrive papunta sa bangin, should you be ashamed na hindi na lang ako sisigaw? We have to shout with all our with our lungs. Oy, Liko, you're going to die. You're going to fall off a cliff. So when we see that that this the righteousness of God shows wrath upon anything unrighteousness of any unrighteousness, we have there should be no room for shame. There should be no room for shame. So that's my first point. Why is Paul unashamed of the gospel? Because there's a big problem, and it is the wrath of God. He continues in verse 17. I'm sorry. In verse 17, if you read with me, for in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. So when he says the righteousness of God is revealed, we have to ask, because Paul didn't stop on verse 16, telling us that you, there is a wrath of a righteous God coming for anything unrighteous, but the gospel saves us from it. For all those who believe, the gospel saves us from the right from the righteousness of God, from the wrath of God. Ay, the gospel saves us from the wrath of God. It doesn't end on verse 16. Paul further explains to us how does the gospel save us from the wrath of God? Paano ba tayo niligtas ng gospel? How did the gospel remove the wrath of God from us? Because I know the gospel can convert people when we preach the gospel, we trust that the Holy Spirit would work in them, implanting to them a faith, and allowing that faith to grow for them to be converted to believers. But Paul is telling us here in verse 17, in the next verse, how does the gospel really save a believer from the wrath of God? This is verse 17. The gospel. Everyone believes to Jews first and also to the Greek. Which leads me to my second point. Because there is an impossible demand. Why is Paul unashamed of the gospel? Because there is an impossible demand. Verse 17. Yeah. Verse 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. So as I told you earlier, the righteousness of God, God being so righteous and us, anything unrighteous, any sin we have done against Him, deserves His wrath. And in the gospel, Makikita natin kung gaano talaga ka-righteous si God. 
how righteous he is. And isn't that a bad thing? Kasi di ba yun yung problema natin? Our problem is, God's righteousness is so, he's so, we look at, we regard God as so high, He's so righteous, so holy, that anything that is not of that standard is unrighteousness. And if it is not that standard, it automatically deserves the wrath of God. So, if in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, na pinapakita ni God yung righteousness na I'm here, and you are nowhere near me, and you all deserve my wrath. How is that then a good thing? Why, why, is it, why, why should I be glad that the righteousness of God is revealed? So God demands the same righteousness. See, when we ask, God, how can I be saved from, from this wrath? Then God will tell you, be as righteous as me. Be as righteous as me. And then a believer or someone, when, you hear, when a person would hear this, he would say, ah, okay, mag, I will obey, I would read my Bible, I would pray. But then, nagkasala ka ulit. So you'll never reach the righteousness of God because we are sinners. No matter what we do, we can never reach the, the demand. It is an impossible demand of God that we be as righteous as He is, as good as He is. So God demands a righteousness and we do not have it. So only our hope is that somehow, by some miracle, God would give us this righteousness that we could never have. A righteousness that we could never conjure. A righteousness that we could never supply. Hindi natin makukuha tong ganitong klaseng righteousness. Because we're sinners. And that is what God did. That is exactly what God did. He gave us a righteousness. What is revealed in the righteousness of God is that He demands the same amount of righteousness. And in His demand, in this gospel, we are being saved from the wrath of God and at the same time, God reveals a righteousness for us that only God demands and only He can supply. Only He can supply and perform. And God gave this gift to us freely. God gave this gift to us freely. And this is what you are familiar of or you have heard of called justification. It is justification. When God, well, in the Greek, there is a verb for righteousness. There is a verb for righteousness. Uh, wala lang Sa English, we cannot, there's, the English cannot translate a verb for righteousness. Parang righteousification or righteousify. But the, the thought is there that justification is us being made righteous. Being made righteous. We are being made righteous in the eyes of God. The act of proclaiming sinners, the act of proclaiming unrighteous people as righteous through faith in Jesus Christ, is justification. And then, then we could say, okay, that is good news. That is really good news. That the wrath of God, anything that is not par in par with the, with the righteousness of God, deserves His wrath. But then God, with all His grace and mercy, all His love, 
decided to give us a gift of His righteousness through Jesus Christ. The impossible demand is the righteousness of God. And then in here, we can find that there is great news. My third point. There is really great news because God has given us a gift of His, of His righteousness. Our hope would then rely on our salvation from the, from the wrath of God. It relies, our hope then would rely on if God really did give us this gift of righteousness. It would hang on that. And if we believe that with all our hearts, then it would then be good news. It would then be gospel. It would then be gospel. The book of Romans is going to demand a lot of things from us. As we go on, I'm just starting, you know, it really, um, nalungkot ako na hindi na nag-start yung text ko sa word na therefore. Because every time nag-preach ako, di ba? When, when you hear the word therefore, you have to ask, what is it? Therefore. Pero hindi ko na magawa yan kasi hindi na nag-start sa therefore yung text ko eh. But it's, and I'm now starting the whole argument of Paul. In Romans, the essence of his, his, his argument in Romans, and I'm going to start it, and in the next Sundays to come, it's not going to be as light. It's not going to be lighter than today. It's not going to be any lighter than today. It's going to be heavier. It's going to show us how unrighteous we really are and how much of a saving we really need. So I encourage you to come to the next Sundays, but the book of Romans is going to demand a lot of things from us. The next Sundays is going to demand a lot of things from us. But we are not going to do it. We're not going to obey those demands because ah, gusto ko maging, I want to have a right standing with God. So I will obey yung sabi ni Pastor sa harap. I, will, I want to be forgiven for my sins. So I will do this. I will do that. Or I want the guilt for me, the guilt of my sin to be taken away. So I will go to church. I will, I will listen to the preaching with all my ears. No, that's not our approach should be. Because God has already accomplished that once and for all. He has already given us the righteousness that we need to be saved. And He gave it to us freely. In verse 17, He says there, for in, in the gospel, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The righteous shall live by faith. So Paul referred to a text in the Old Testament because he says, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And that text is in Habakkuk 2 verse 4. I'm sorry, I don't have it in the slide. But if you go to your Bible, read Habakkuk 2 verse 4. It says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by faith. Habakkuk 2 verse 4. So what is he talking about? What is the prophet talking about in this book? In Habakkuk, um, God wants to show 
His judgment upon all the unrighteous nations. And that included the nation of Judah. God says that He will lift up the Chaldeans or the Babylonians during their time, or as we know them as the Babylonians. God will lift them up and conquer all the unrighteous nations, and that included Judah. That included Judah. And in, if you continue reading, you would see that the initial response of the, the people during that time was, how can we be saved from the judgment of God? How can we be saved from the wrath of God? And then verse 2, chapter 2, verse 4 says, the righteous shall live by faith. The word live there pertains to two things. One is live their salvation, as the salvation of the, believe, of the people during that time, they will be saved from the Babylonians. Yes. And they will live, continue living in righteousness. But then a question would rise if you read verse 1, uh, chapter 1 of Habakkuk. He says, God says, His eyes, God's eyes are too pure to approve evil. And God cannot look on wickedness with favor. God's eyes are too pure to approve evil. And He cannot look on wickedness with favor. Hindi niya kayang tignan yung wickedness. So then, how can these people become righteous? How can these unrighteous people, hindi nga kaya tignan ni God yung mga unrighteous eh. But how can they become righteous and live in faith? How does this even work? It must then mean that this righteousness is not their righteousness. This righteousness in their faith would then be credited to them as righteousness. So it is the same essence as what Paul is saying. It is the same. Paul is saying, your wrath is coming for you. Judgment is coming for you. Your initial response, how can I be saved? How can I be saved from this wrath of the Almighty God? And God would say, you'd, He would demand the same righteousness. Be as righteous as me. But that is impossible. But then God, out of His love, out of His mercy, out of His grace, decided to give us a gift of righteousness through Christ Jesus if we believe in Him. So this is what it meant, the righteous shall live by faith. We will go on living by faith. There's also a, a weird phrase, phrase there. I could not, hindi ko dapat palagpasin. Tama ba? Palagpasin. For in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Kung, kung ako to nagbabasa, or if this is us reading, Wala. Di, di ko talaga alam ko ano yung ano ba faith to faith na yun? What does faith to faith mean? But, you know, you guys are lucky I did my research. <laughs> you don't have to search for yourselves. The text doesn't end by Paul showing us how can we be really saved from the wrath of God. How the gospel saves us from the wrath of God. But then he shows us this phrase. The, the God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. In verse 16, if you look at verse 16, the word believe there in the Greek is actually in 
present continuous tense. Meaning, it should be translated as believing, pero nagawa ko na yung PowerPoint ko, hindi ko na pinalitan. Sorry guys. It should be uh, to those who go on believing. Uh, let me read it for you in the right way. Verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who goes on believing. It is a present continuous, uh, present continuous tense, believing. So why is that relevant to faith to faith? Because God saves believers by saying that the, in the gospel, it reveals a righteousness for us in the first, it is first perceived and embraced by faith. When we hear the gospel, when the gospel is preached to us or shared to us, we first believe and embrace the gospel by faith. That is the first faith there. But God with His goodness and loving kindness doesn't leave us there. He doesn't stop and when we hear the gospel, iniwan nilang tayo na to believe in it. But He also gives us the faith to persevere. The faith to go on believing. The faith to go on continue believing. This is great, great news. Because if it was me, I heard that the wrath of God was coming, sabi ni God, okay, may gift na ako, ito. Maniwala ka lang dyan. Believe in it. Have faith. Okay, I believe in it. What now? God, would, God didn't stop there. He would say, don't worry. I will give you faith to persevere, to keep on believing. I will, I will give you faith to further know me, further grow in your walk with me. Because the gospel saves believers because the gospel keeps the believer believing. And then it makes sense to me in verse 15 why Paul really wanted, really is eager to preach the gospel to the Romans. Because me, I need the gospel every day. I, I wake up in the morning feeling like I am a, a big sinner. Or I don't always wake up every day na I feel right, I feel justified today. I feel the righteousness of God in me today. And I need a reminding of that every day. I am a sinner. That, that is why it is, Paul was really eager to preach the gospel to believers whose faith is renowned worldwide. To believers who are considered the saints. Because all of us, all believers, need to be preached the gospel every day. We need to preach to ourselves the gospel every day. We need a constant reminding. We need to remember of this gospel every day. Then another problem would arise. Okay, hurry. We all know that we, we in our sin do not win often. We do not win often in the war against sin. Sometimes we fall and we lose. But then, how would then we respond? I'm going to give up. Na lang ako. Hindi pala to, 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 to. Or should we ponder too much on it, causing us to be unable to act? Causing us to be frozen on our feet? Na, ah, sinner kasi ako. Ayoko nang pumunta sa church. 
Nagkasala kasi ako. Ayoko na magpakita sa small group namin kasi nahiya na ako. Hindi nga ako nagbasa ng Bible. Hindi ko binasa yung ano. See, we are unrighteous. And we need a constant reminding of this. We need the gospel to constantly remind us. So every time the Bible demands you to do something, the Bible demands you to do something, we should not do it because nagkasala ako kahapon, bawiin ko si God ngayon, mag-obey ako, pupunta ako sa church, I will listen, magkikinig ako sa preaching because malaki-laki yung kasalanan ko kahapon. That's not how it works. When the Bible demands something from us, we do not do it. We should not even think that I must do this to take away the guilt so that I will be forgiven, to get a right standing with God. Rather, think I will do this because my guilt is already taken away from me. I will do this because I'm already forgiven. I will do this because Christ has already died for me. And I am in debt. I'm a debtor to this gospel. I'm a debtor to this gospel. And I know that God is for me. And He will help me to do what He demands. So doesn't this then make emphasizes why Paul considers himself a slave of Christ Jesus? An understanding of the gospel where Paul considers himself, refers to himself as a debtor of the gospel? Doesn't this make sense now why Paul is really unashamed of the gospel? Because he had a total understanding of what the gospel does to a believer. That is why he, he was so eager to preach the gospel to the Romans. So for us now, as I close, sorry, the great news is the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And as I end, as I've been talking about the wrath of a righteous God, re-echoing it over and over again, telling you how, how righteous He is and how unrighteous we are, should there still be room for shame in the gospel for us believers? Should there still be room for shame to share the gospel, to be truly debtors of the gospel to those who have not heard the gospel and to those who are believers as well? We need constant reminding and we need to share this unashamed. We need to share this without shame. So I encourage everyone for the week to come, remember this, that the goodness, the righteousness of God being given to us freely, where God looks at you, looks at me, sees my wickedness, he sees my unrighteousness. He sees our wickedness and our righteousness behind our faith. Our faith where we believe that God is, is righteous. Yes, I believe God is righteous. And I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. And in His blood, I've been given the gift of righteousness. And I have faith that this is true. I believe in this in all my heart. God looks at you sees your wickedness behind everything, behind the faith, behind your faith, and counts you righteous. 
looks at you and sees you righteous. Looks at you and cleans you up. Doesn't even see you as sinful anymore. Doesn't see you as unrighteous anymore. This is truly great, great news. This is great news. We have been saved from the wrath of the Almighty God. So I get where Paul is coming from. A slave of Christ Jesus. Yes, I would gladly be a slave to the one who gave everything for me. A debtor of the gospel. Yes, I would gladly be a debtor to the gospel of God where His righteousness is revealed. And I, a sinner, has been made righteous through my faith in Him. And I would gladly be unashamed for the gospel. For in it, the power of God has been revealed. The power of God of salvation has been, has been revealed. Praise be God. Praise be God. Father, we lift up you to you today. The church, we lift up to you, everyone here today who has heard your word. God, we pray that you develop in us and cultivate in us a faith that really believes in you. That you have really given us this righteousness. We take it with all our heart. We embrace it. We believe it. And God, allow us, allow GCAF to be a gospel-believing church, a gospel-saturated church. Allow us to depend on the gospel day by day. Allow us to depend on the gospel hour by hour, having the guts to obey everything you have done for us because you have already taken away our guilt. You have already taken away our shame. You have already forgiven us. God, this week, allow us to share this great, great news. Allow us to really live out being debtors of the gospel. All for your glory. All for your honor and all for the praise of your glorious name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. GCAF Manila community on Facebook and other social media platforms for more. Together, let's continue to obey beyond borders. Music